Hey, how's everyone doing? This is Sierra Monet Styles, and I have a quick little announcement, and then I'm going to get right into the topic. The announcement is, this is the first time I've ever done anything like a podcast, and so there's a lot of topics that I'm interested in. I'm there, I'm learning, and um, everything is kind of all over the place, but as I'm getting used to it, I'm starting to, I guess, get more adjusted with what it is that I want to primarily focus on and then branch off of that from there. And so the best title to fit my plethora of interests and the things that I study, um, because I personally, in my own personal life, I hop around a lot. And the theme is always this. I don't need permission. I don't need your permission. I don't need anyone else's permission. I don't need permission to have my own opinions and my own viewpoints, no matter how controversial they are or how unpopular they may be or how they may not even get the approval of most people. I don't need it. I don't do this because I want a lot of popularity, a whole bunch of people like me. I do it because it's therapeutic. And I also do it because maybe one day there'll be a person that is in a similar situation, mind uh, setting, you know, thought space, and will need to hear that someone else out there, you know, has similar opinions. Or maybe my differing of opinion will help someone that is um, extreme to one end and needs an alternate view not to take on my view, but at least to give them some some uh, tools to critically think outside of their box. And so saying that, no matter what it is I talk about, you are listening to Sierra Monet Styles, and I don't need your permission. <laughs> now that we got that out the way, what I want to discuss I just recently put up a podcast and I want to discuss it a little bit. Not a podcast, a posting. I do not, I do not, um, I'm not a social media person at all. And I'm, I'm pretty, I'm decent with technology. I was, you know, I remember when there were no cell phones, but I was still a kid when we started using the computer and internet and all that. So I kind of grew up with it. But not like the, um, I guess they're the millennials and the um, Generation X um, kids. But in any case, one of the things that I have always rejected is social media. I just don't like it. I had a MySpace. I loved MySpace. I met so many awesome people from around the world. It was fantastic. And then that's how I got tricked into getting a Facebook. (laughs) I got the Facebook and then immediately... I hated it. I just didn't like the high school scenery. It was kind of like, in my space, your area was kind of private. In Facebook, it was a more of an open feel. It was just different. It was different, and then the conversations were very different. Um, I was surrounded more by people that thought more like me, that were, um, you know, positive, earthy, herbalist, um, historians. I mean, it was just awesome, awesome, awesome people. Um, And then I got surrounded by people that I just basically knew. But I'm not around any of these people because I'm not like these people. 
So I don't want to really be like them or be surrounded by them on another platform where I can't, I can't really interact with them. I, they can't interact with me. I can't interact with them. So it was just, and then what people talk about is just like, I don't care about your baby daddy drama. I don't care about what you have on, who gives a fuck what you just ate, unless it was something super nutritious and you're on like, you know, but that's only once in a while type thing. Who cares what your hair looks like? Like, I'm not into that. Like, no. But, you know, from time to time, I do get pulled into the platform. Maybe someone needs to connect with me and Facebook is the only way that they know how to do it. Maybe um, I need to do something with business and Facebook seems to be the platform to use, unfortunately. Or maybe, you know, like these last couple of um, situations, um, I have an urge to say something, which doesn't normally happen. And, um, and Facebook just, it's right there. And it just seems to be a good platform for me to do it. And you know what? A lot of people may have an opinion and saying, nope, you're way outdated. Facebook is not the platform to do it. Maybe you need to go to Twitter or Instagram or something like that. And I don't have those accounts. So you might be right. And if you have um, a suggestion about that, I'll, I'll consider it. But in any case, so I posted this, um, this uh, post because I was, doing my daily um, uh, scrounging through a whole bunch of information routine. I I go through a ton of information every day, all day, on various topics. And then these days, obviously, it's generally surrounding, um, well, it's not obvious because everyone still doesn't, you know, um, they they still don't entertain the, the same things. But some of the stuff is around the virus, of course. Um, some of it, a lot of it is around the, um, the economics of the, the global situation and this country. Um, and some specifics, you know, that drill down into those particular topics. And so in any case, um, I was listening to a very favorite um, person of mine. His name is Mike Maloney. And um, he was discussing how um, the uh, Yellen was uh, saying something about, you know, uh, that we need to reconsider allowing the Fed to buy treasuries or something like that, which is confusing in itself because I thought they were already purchasing treasuries. I know that they were given the green light to purchase, um, directly um, purchase uh, stocks in the equity markets, or at least I know they were discussing that. That was a part of the whole stimulus thing. Um, stimulus got passed, you know, that $6 trillion that magically turned into, you know, $2 trillion that everybody seems to um, keep forgetting about. But in any case, so I'm not really sure exactly because when he started mentioning certain things, I got super excited and I just had to share because I know a lot of people are not thinking about stuff like this. And so this is what I posted. I posted, does anyone know what all this U.S. debt means? Well, I'll tell you, I said. It means every man, woman and child will owe the U.S. The, I'm sorry, will owe the Fed $100,000 at current rates on top of all the debt you already owe. So let's put it in perspective. If all 327 million people in the U.S. owe you $100,000, that's $327 trillion. Can you imagine that? All right. So let's just discuss that one point right there. I got a message. Um, I got messages uh, from people that were encouraging me to apply for these business loans and for the unemployment. 
Now, I have only applied for government assistance, I think, twice in my life. And it was um, because of other people around me. I'm not blaming them or anything like that. One situation, I was responsible for taking care of an individual. I was young myself. I didn't really exactly know what to do. Someone suggested it. I thought it was a great idea. So I applied for food stamps. I received it for like three months. That was my, um, that was my interaction with that. The other situation, um, I was uh, involved with someone. They suggested it for whatever reason. I, I, you know, I, I know parts of the reasons, but why I agreed, I can't exactly remember. Um, and so in any case, I applied and I think I received it for like two weeks, maybe. Or if I received it, I'm not even sure if I re- even received it. That is the extent of my, um, my, my experience of being a recipient of government assistance. I was laid off at one point. Oh, you know what? That's a cute word. I'll say fired. I was fired at one point from a job. I believe that I could have qualified for unemployment. I had no fucking idea that I could do that because I just don't think like that. I just try to figure out how to find my own way out of whatever problems I have. And so that's just an example of just like, you know, my perspective and how I tend to deal with that. So in any case, I don't believe that these people, when they were suggesting these assistance um, uh, or encouraging me to take advantage of the assistance that was passed in the stimulus, how, the, how it actually imp, um, imp, implicates the government, I mean, the country. Um, your fellow citizens and how it impacts you, whether you take advantage of it or not, whether someone else takes advantage of it or not. Okay. We're all in this pot together. So if you do it and I don't do it, I still got to pay for you. And if I do it and you don't do it, you still have to pay for me. So that's the situation. And so because of that, so far, the money that has been borrowed and passed um, has, has um, a total debt load divided amongst all the individual people in the United States. Um, yeah, I'll just say the United States um, of $100,000 on average. That's an average figure. Could be a little lower, could be a little higher. That's not my math. That is the math of Mike Maloney. Um, so, now think about this, right? Why would why would the federal government want to implicate every man, woman? I hope you can hear me because there's some mechanical work going on in the background. Why would they want to implicate every man, woman, and child to a debt load of $100,000? Again, this does not include whatever debt you already have, student loans, credit card loans, mortgage, whatever. This does not include that, okay? This is fresh, brand new. You didn't even spend this money yet, okay? So why would they want to do that? Well, imagine. Imagine that you are like this ultimate business person, okay? And your whole get goal, your whole get, um, um, aim in life is to profit, profit, profit. I mean, that's basically the, 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 the theme of the American business person. Even globally, that's become... Um, an infectious, you know, um, aspiration, you know, of people that you're not winning unless you're, you know, winning, you know, and that, and that, um, success 
in being successful, you have to keep, 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 keep on going, you know? Um, so with that, um, imagine you were given the opportunity to not only be a billionaire, okay? And maybe even you're a trillionaire. Maybe you're one of the, um, the couple of individuals that are a trillionaire at this point. But you were given the opportunity to score $327 trillion, okay? Um, would you would you go for it? You know, imagine that um, you have a a used car dealership and you have about five cars. You start off with five cars, and you are uh, you are leasing these cars out, lease to own, lease to owning these cars out. And every car that you lease out, you get a cash flow of maybe about a hundred dollars um, a week. And or you know what? I'll say um, I'll say two hundred dollars a month. You got five cars, 200 a month. You, right now you're cash flowing about $1,000 a month on these cars. And you know that the more cars you get, the more, um, the greater the opportunity it is for you to cash flow. So if you get 10 times the amount of cars, if you have 50 cars, you'll be cash flowing about $10,000 a month, which is, you know, sweet. If you get, uh, you know, even four times more that amount, um, you'll be cash flowing about forty thousand a month on two um two thousand cars. So if you're given the opportunity to cash flow at greater amounts based on the perspective from of business and the and the culture that we participated in, that is a that is a deal that you cannot lose it. On top of that, on top of that, who's selling us out? And that's the, that's the other question. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of implications in all of this, okay? Um, one of them is the U.S. Uh, Treasury bonds, right? Some of you have heard about the uh, birth certificates and the Social Security cards and their bonds that are being sold on the stock market and blah, blah, blah. You can look up the, the QCIP number and the this and the that and it's real and it's not, okay? And then you've heard people that say these people are out of their damn minds. They've been going to prison over this shit. <laughs> okay. So you've been hearing both arguments, right? Now, this is the interesting thing about it. And this is what I don't understand about the people that say that these people are out of their minds. When you understand how the tax system works, you know that these people are not out of their minds. The tax, this is how the tax system works. The Treasury, the, the U.S. securities, Treasury securities, and the bonds are sold based on future tax revenue, okay? Now, I want you to take this slowly. Please take this slowly because people are not thinking, and I do not understand why they cannot do math. It is simple math. All you got to do is add one plus one, and you know what you're going to get. It's simple math. You're going to get two. So just do the simple math. Don't get all political on me. I don't give a damn if you're a Democrat or a Republican, because I'm neither, okay? Like one day I might like something Trump said, the next day I might hate what the fuck he did. I'm neither one. I look at truth and fact, and that's it, okay? So, all right. U.S. Treasury Securities is based on the amount of money that the Federal Reserve has printed or typed in to the banking system this, I, I don't know, I guess central banking system 
for to circulate within the U.S. economy. However, every note that's printed or typed into the system is printed at an interest, which means that all the money is debt-based. Now, the money circulates throughout the economy, and if it's debt-based, every, every, as you go down the chain, the last person holding that dollar is the greatest debtor, okay? And so as it gets returned and sucked back into the system, and this is the best way that I can say it to make it less complicated and to make some type of visual sense, but as it gets returned and sucked back into the system, it gets returned back with interest. Now, the interest obviously cannot be paid simply with U.S. dollars because U.S. dollars, they really don't, they're nothing. It's just paper and ink. They, they're, they're nothing. But what, what happens is, is this is, how, this is how people lose their wealth because those same dollars are used, even though they're an accounting system for the, between the Federal Reserve and the United States government, they're used as value to purchase the assets out of the U.S. economy. Now, I'm just going to leave it there because I'm going to be barking, uh, barking into territory that I'm not completely, I don't want to say anything wrong, basically. All right, but just think about that. That's U.S. Um, treasuries. Um, uh, U.S. treasuries. They are, they are lended out at an interest, which means every single note is a debt note, okay? And the only way it can be paid back, the only way anything is, is, um, is uh, paid back here is through labor. Labor or some aspect of value, and the only way you replace it, again, is through labor. I mean, that's basically where value ultimately comes from. Okay. Now, the other portion of that system are the bond markets. Now, bonds are dealing with the other end. So U.S. Treasuries deals with the money coming in. Bonds deal with the money that's in the system, money that's in the system that's going out of the system in a sense. It's dealing with the IRS. So on the front end, the U.S. Treasury deals from the Federal Reserve, the, the relationship between the Federal Reserve and the U.S. Um, uh, uh, Treasury Department that um, creates the fiat for the central banks, fiat meaning what you call money for the central banks. And then on the other hand, the bonds deal with the aspect of I sell you a bond today for $50,000. It's, uh, you know, there's different year um, uh, maturation dates on it. So you have some that are 1, 3, 10, I think, I think 20 and 30. I'm not sure. But there's different bonds with different maturation dates. And each different one of those bonds have a different interest rate. And the interest is based, the interest rate is, is paid based on the taxation uh, or from the taxation that the U.S. government collects from its citizens. OK, so when these people that are talking about these birth certificates and these QCIP numbers and you can look it up and the Social Security numbers and we are being sold on the stock market and oh, my God, they're so fucking crazy. No, they're not. They're not crazy. This is literally how the system works. So, OK, let me ask you a question. If OK, let's just say you're my friend. All right. And. Oh, okay. I got it. Okay. So you're my friend and, um, you're, you're just turning 18. You've never worked a day in your life. You don't know what the, what working is really. 
You don't know what taxes are. You don't know what a good wage is. You don't understand anything about bills. You're just excited to be a, a participant in this world. So basically, you're naive and ignorant, okay? But I know, I know about this, okay? I've been dealing with this shit for some years now. And, you know, I don't say shit lightly. I mean, this world has beat me the fuck up. So I'm not a very nice cat. I mean, I might seem nice, but, I mean, I'm, I have it bitten the bug. I'm looking for an easy way to, you know, any way I can, you know, um, what is it, get up or um, get ahead. I'm looking for that too. So I tell you, my friend, that, listen, I have the, a great job that is, um, that is, um, that'll pay you really good and you'll be able to buy your own stuff. And I sell it to you in a way that makes you feel really good. And you say, you know, yeah, I want that. I, I need a, I need a way to earn my own money. Um, and I say, okay, well, this job is paying $10 an hour and I'm going to manage everything for you. I'm going to be your manager and you only have to pay me a dollar an hour. Okay. Um, and okay. But in reality, the job actually pays $15 an hour. So not only are you paying me a dollar an hour to manage all your stuff and to help you through this system, but I'm also getting, getting those additional $5 that you knew nothing about. Now on the bond side, you're the, you're the U S citizen. I'm the government. That $1 is the income tax. And on the bond side and the $5, I don't know. I'm just trying to make this up as I go, but the, on the bond side, what I tell another homie that is just as ruthless as I am, that is, you know, that knows what's up, that's not a, na a naive, ignorant 19 or 18 year old. And I'm like, they're like, listen, yes, I'll, I'll lend you a hundred bucks, but you see that chick over there that you got, yo, you, I know you can give it back to me. You got to give me back 125. Okay. And I'm like, you know what? All right. Listen, you see that, you see that chick? Well, I got a whole slew of them. I got about 50 of her. I can give you, you just keep supplying me with the money so I can go buy, you know, these weapons or, you know, all this, this stuff I need. Like, I got you, homie. Like, I'm going to make sure that I get the 25 out of them. You just keep giving me the money and every year I'm going to pay you yours. Okay. So that's the relationship. That's the bond relationship. So what does it sound like? It sounds like that me as the government or whatever institution that I am, I'm pipping out this 18 year old chick or guy or, you know, whatever na um, naive, ignorant person, um, I'm pimping them out. I'm pimping them or what's another um, way to describe that, that relationship. I am enslaving them. You know, I am basically cheating them out of the value of their labor. Okay. And as a result or as a consequence, um, they suffer a lower standard of living at their expense. Not at mine, because off of them, I get rich without doing really anything except for being slick. And again, I know this is the, the culture of the American way, but it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Okay, so when we're looking at these things and we're like, oh, my God, I'm about to get $1,200 or I'm going to get $600 on top of my employment. Listen, I'm not telling you to do it or not do it. I'm just telling you what this means. This money, this is only one aspect of that, that, those two relationships that I was talking about. But at the end of the day, it's the U.S. citizens that have to pay this shit off. And this money is not free. 
it is on the balance sheet and it has to get paid off. Okay. I also said, remember, the Federal Reserve is not the United States government. I'm not sure if a lot of people understand that. Even when I listen to many economists, I think that is taboo for them to talk about this aspect of it because they talk about the Federal Reserve as if they're a whole bunch of naive um, economists or, or Ivy League educated economists that don't understand how money supply works, that don't understand um, historical um, events uh, regarding um, the, pa- the, re- the past relationship between the Federal Reserve and the United States or other central banks in other countries. Um, and I'm sorry, but I don't, I, I do not believe that storyline. And again, I, maybe they're doing it because they have to. Maybe they, maybe they're, because these guys are smart. There's no way that I believe that they believe. There's, they, I don't believe they believe that. I think that they're, they're, they use that line because either they have to or maybe, hey, maybe they're part of the family. I don't know. I just know that you're not going to have people a part of this particular system, of, the, of that particular system that does not understand the historical um, relationship between the U.S. government and the Federal Reserve, especially when you're talking about such a unique relationship. Um, maybe the secretaries, maybe the janitors or something, you know, um, maybe possibly the interns um, at, at, at some of the positions, but not, not the federal presidents. Um, no. Okay. And you're not going to tell me that they are a bunch of naive Ivy league educated, um, brats that don't understand money supply and the implications of the economy. Yes, they do. They're doing their job. Their job is to implement uh, monetary policy at the detriment of the U.S. economy and the people um, using smoke and mirrors, you know, pretending like they are on um, the uh, side of the U.S. government and they want nothing but the best interest for the people. So, excuse me. So, um, when they're doing this, they know full and well the implications of what this is going to mean to future generations. So then I continue with the post and I said, um, not only are they not the United States government, but it's a private group of individuals. And yes, that is correct. It is a private group of people. It's a private group of people. When you look into the history of when they were um, form, formed, I think it was first the 1800s, um, in this the late 1800s, I think 1871 or something like that. And then um, something happened in between that time and they had, and they re, re, they reformed or something like that in, I think, 1913 or something. Um, but in any case, between those years right there um, is when a group of private, you know, wealthy individuals um, probably had previous, I'm sure they had previous ties together. And I mean, historical ties. That's not how the, the anyway. In any case, they got together and they um, conspired to form this this group. Um, and they, you know, very savvily worked their way into the Senate and Congress and was able to formulate a relationship that has thus lasted um, over 50 years. And so um, even when you look at some interviews in modern times, about what they describe themselves as, they will they will literally legitimately tell you that they are not the U.S. government, 
that they are not government, period. Not only that, but if you look on their websites, it also um, alliterates the fact that they are not the U.S. government. But then you can go even deeper than that, because the U.S. government in 1871, I think that's where I got the year from. It was 1871 where the U.S. government was um, null. It was nullified. And um, the Senate was, um, I forgot what the, the term was, but the Senate was, damn, I forgot what the term was. Um, basically, the Senate had sold out the U.S. Um, they sold out the U.S. government, and they enacted a new government, a new corporate government, along with a shadow government um, within the 10-mile radius area of Washington, D.C., and that's very confusing in itself, but it's also very clear that what we consider America to be is what is it's funny because I think Americans know what America is in their hearts. I think that they can feel in their soul that there is something wrong with what they feel America is supposed to be, but they cannot put the words to it. And these couple of dates and these, um, these you know, few references that I'm giving help to understand why someone feels that way. But you have to dig into it because I'm not explaining it in depth, um, nor is that the purpose of this conversation. Um, but in any case, they will tell you that they are a private group. Also, and I also added a family, um, which is um, mostly accurate. Also, it's illegal for them to own private jet. The, the way that, I don't know if any of you remember in college, or in um, some um, aspect of grade school when you were taking political science and it explained how a bill, I remember you had learned about the, how a bill went ran through Congress and then how the Federal Reserve worked. And there was supposed to be this intricate relationship that separated the federal government from the U.S. citizens in such a way where they could never buy privatized debt. And so when you say it with, with such alienating terminology, you don't really get the implication until you visually think about it. You, when you visually think about it, then you get it. I mean, think about it. You have this private group of individuals that, that individuals that have been contracted by the U.S. government to issue monetary debt fiat notes, which which are you know, erroneously called money at an interest rate that, again, is the reason why they're called debt notes um, at an interest rate. But the relationship involves that for um, the quantity of notes that they um, lend to the U.S., um, uh, what is it, the U.S. Secretary of Treasury or something like that, um, they are issued uh, uh, treasury notes. And those treasury notes are promises to pay. And the, I got to dig into that a little bit more, but I know that that's one form of promise to pay. Then there's the other um, aspect of the bonds. Now, I remember when this, this whole thing was kind of, I can't remember the time frame, but I remember at some point when this, this stuff started falling apart, 
and one of the um one of the conversations was um whether or not well that the fed was going to go when it started purchasing bonds and at that point if i had known any better i knew that if there was an issue with that because i knew that they were propping up the bond market and i understood um yeah, but I I did I still didn't understand it, and I'm not sure. I'm sure there were a lot of people that like me that did not understand it as well. But that right there was already a major red flag because that puts them in direct contact um, with the U.S. citizens because bonds represent the tax the tax labor of U.S. citizens, the future tax labor of U.S. citizens. So that already was an issue. So then, um, now what we're dealing with is a situation where they're first, it's like they're triple, quadruple dipping. They're agreeing in Congress, remember they call it a bill and they do call it a bill for a reason, but the question is who is gonna pay this bill? So Congress approves the bill um, to have uh, uh, the federal government pay or print all this money to stimulate the economy, so-called, and then portions of this money, and then other other budgets as well, because there's budgets all over the place dealing with this craziness. I mean, six trillion, shit, that's nothing. I mean, they just did like three trillion before then, and then they had other little side budgets going on. Like, it's just, this stuff is crazy. But they also have these other budgets that are supposed to be used to purchase equities within the stock market, again, alienating language. What that means is they're going to purchase stocks of private companies to prop up, to so-called prop up or stabilize the stock market, but it means that they will officially be owners of private companies. They will also, they're they're also supposed to be doing something, oh, and, and buying up the bonds, okay. Now, now this is this is where it gets so interesting. They are some clever motherfuckers. Like I do not understand how people are saying they don't know what they're doing. How? How is it people can say that they don't know what they're doing? Because with those two actions alone, they have made themselves the richest people, not only in the nation, but quite possibly, very likely, close to the richest people in the world. But definitely within this nation. I mean, they literally own every American citizen. Well, okay. I'm going to take the every part out. They said that by the time you're done doing this, they will own two-thirds of the stock market, and I don't know how much of the bond market. And again, bonds are the future taxation taxation of the United States government, which means they are they are absorbing... Those current those current bonds that are already in the system, on top of the fact they printed money that is supposed to be lent that is lent out at a interest rate a debt well, I know they just lowered the Fed uh, the Fed uh, interest rate to to zero, so I'm not exactly sure how that works. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that works with that part. But I do know that money doesn't look either way. The money has to be paid back. Um, or I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I got to sit and think about that because the relationship 
it, it, that might be a mutation of the relationship right there. I know that the banks will still charge interest rates. I know that the U.S. government is charging a 5% interest rate on um, the, the small business loans. Um, but the fact that there's a zero interest rate between uh, zero interest rate between the federal the Federal Reserve and the central banks, as well as the U.S. government, I, I really don't know. I don't know what that what that um, relationship what that means. I, I, I it's that that one's interesting to me because it's it, it really what it seems like is that everyone's getting a big payday. The Federal Reserve has just inherited three hundred and twenty-seven uh, million slaves that has been watching grow and incubate in the system for over fifty years. And I'm not I'm not saying that lightly when I say that. I want people to take that very seriously. Slavery is a real issue that we have been dealing with as human as it as a human race in humanity for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and listen yes i'm a melanated sister but um and i know they like to preach that that slavery story you know um about you know me and my history in this country but i don't identify with it and one of the reasons why i don't is because history tells me that i shouldn't i'm not saying that it didn't take place but what i am saying is that caucasian people were slaves longer than any other people on the face of this earth in our in our most recent ancient history that we know of and the reason i bring that up is because this is a human issue slavery is a human issue it is not a color issue and so when i talk about the the federal reserve inheriting 327 it, it wasn't 327 million black slaves and it wasn't 327 million white slaves they have you guys fighting each other so you don't look at the real issue, it's 327 million people, period. How is that going to translate into the economy? You're gonna earn less when you work. Your standard of living is gonna decline, your taxation is gonna go up. It's gonna be harder and harder and harder and more miserable for you to earn a wage. You have just been sold out. You think you're having a hard time now running this rat race, trying to become wealthy in a system that is literally designed for you to fail. It will literally, that you think it was a, a nightmare. It's going to be a horror film. The American life, what our ancestors built, what we come from ancestrally, for the people that are indigenous to this land. They're probably weeping right now because this we are entering a phase and we're not gonna see it immediately. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people get that, but, I, but you will see it in your lifetime. That I, I am confident in. This is not gonna be one of those things that You'll be dead and your children will have to deal with it. So if you want to be a dummy now and not give a damn about your kids or your grandkids, you can do that. No, this is not going to be that situation. This is going to be a situation where it's going to hit you in your lifetime. Maybe earlier than you think. 
So when you're considering participating in these, these um, so-called stimulus programs, I want every one of you to consider those things. Because, and the reason why I mentioned my relationship with that is not because I'm not better. I'm just saying that it is possible to do for yourself. And I have had a rough time, okay? But it is possible to do for yourself without relying on the government. And that comes with a, a high price. It's almost like, you know, this old man or this older man, he says you can live with him, but you didn't know that he was going to rape the shit out of you every day that you lived with him, man or woman. You know what I'm saying? So what would you rather do? Would you rather, okay, you might have to spend a couple of nights on the street or in your car while you find a job, work hard, and get a place? Or will you take the short-term and get fucked for the rest of your life? The short-term, not reward, but the short-term easy route and get fucked over. But now they are buying private equities and treasury bonds, which means they will own our tax labor, slavery, and our businesses. Can somebody wake the fuck up? We have been sold out, ironically, with the permission of an all-American make-a-deal guy. Guess what? You are slaves. Your children will be slaves. And theirs and theirs. What does that look like? Ask Skid Row in Los Angeles. The stimulus is not free. Are you willing to pay such a high price? Thank you for listening. This is Sierra Monet Styles, and I don't need your permission. Hello, you're listening to Sierra Monet Styles, and I don't need your permission. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I was trying to wait until I had a more organized. In front of me with some notes and things like that before I did my next recording. But as always, I get the urge <laughs> and, like impulsively. So I um, again I ran across some information as usual, and um, this one is, is startling. So as you know, um, Well, many of you are aware, or maybe some of you are not, I don't know, but I'll I'll inform you that before what's going on, um, the current crisis that's occurring right now, economically and uh, the public health situation, uh, there was a push, uh, um, uh, an urge for to invest in silver, silver and gold, but particularly silver because it's so undervalued. And um, I was listening to this, I don't know what her name is, but she's a a gold and silver dealer and she's going through some questions that some of her customers have for her. And one of the comments that um, one of her, um, um, a person in her audience made was that, an ounce of silver can only buy a few bananas. 
the Venezuela Boulevard, which if people, um, hopefully you're familiar, they're going through an extreme economic crisis, one that many of us felt that the U.S. was going to follow. Um, and they've been going through that for quite some time. And their, their currency is basically worthless. Uh, they do a lot of trading and uh, U.S. dollar. And there are, there are some um, trades occurring in gold and silver. But um, from what I came across, that happened pretty much at the beginning of the market. And then people just basically sold out their silver. But this is what, what I found so interesting and what I found out outrageous. So he was saying that in the Venezuela Boulevard, I think it's uh, 10 cents to the dollar. I don't know. That that was scary too when I saw that because that shows the the uh, how oh boy how how low the value of the dollar is. But in any case, because it really should be a penny to the dollar. So, but in any case, um, and that's silver equals a, a million boulevard. It's an approximate figure, a little bit more than a million. And you can only buy a few bananas with a million boulevard. So he was like, you know, if that happens in an economic crisis, then maybe it's better. It, maybe it's better to wait until um, the price of silver actually rises at its high than sell it, and then um, get out of silver. Um, and he was asking her, "What do you think?" And she had a very smart response. I'm not. Maybe he thought about this after he wrote it, but you don't want to be stuck in the dollar. Period. So if you sell it talking about it, uh, a, a falling um, currency so let's say you sell it today but the ounce is worth $50 and you sell it today for $50 you shot up from $14 to $50 and you sold it got the 50 bucks well tomorrow um, those $50 probably buy $30 worth of goods yet that same ounce of silver uh, will probably purchase you about forty-five dollars. So you're 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 in a losing battle. So I looked it up myself. I looked it up to see if this is true. If it's true that a million boulevard will only buy a few bananas, and if an ounce of silver was only worth a million boulevard. And according to the the which was a big conflicting. But I saw something that was very, very um, telltale uh, in the fine print. Now, what it was saying was that I think a million boulevard equals 16 uh, or however much is a million something um, that the silver, after silver is worth in boulevard, Venezuela boulevard. And that equals about $16 USD. And then I was going through the prices of how much, you know, a million dollars can boulevard dollars can purchase in that economy and it was like you know 2.66 can buy a chicken two point you know whatever can buy or 1.6 or 1.4 can buy a roll of toilet paper and i'm just i'm astounded i'm like are you fucking kidding me you're telling me that with an ounce of fucking silver you can only buy a half a chicken and a roll of toilet paper are you out of your motherfucking mind and so the fine print was this excuse Excuse my language, which normally I wouldn't apologize for, but I'm apologizing because I know that was harsh. I know that was harsh. But that's just how flabbergasted I am about the situation. First of all, this is what the fine print is reading. They are stealing people's silver, or they have stolen the people's silver in Venezuela.
is number one, in a situation like that, I would not sell my silver. The price has to go up. If you know what's going on in the investment market right now, you cannot get your hands on gold and silver. And silver is worse. The production has dropped dramatically on um, uh, the supply of silver. People cannot get their hands on silver. Maple leaves, American eagles, I don't know about buffaloes, but I know those are hard to come by, but I know the, the first two are extremely hard to come by if you can get them at all. And then, I just got rudely interrupted by a phone call. That fucking sucks. And my, my, my audio got cut short. Anyway, really,
my suggestion would be if you have an investment in physical silver just forget about it for a while even if the dollar crashes um and you know again i'm not giving financial i'm not a financial advisor okay i don't need your <laughs> permission to have my opinion on what I would do if I were an investor in that market. But if I were an investor in that market, no, definitely, definitely not. I would not, I would just forget about it. I would forget about it until the market starts to become uh, more integral with the true value of gold and silver, of what they should be. Because I did my own numbers, okay? And when I did my own numbers, um, silver can ran between $250 to $1,000 an ounce. And shit, gold was like, damn, gold was like, okay, it was $250. And it had to be over $2,500, which I don't even think it was that low. It was like between five and $15,000. I think it was more than that, though, when I did my numbers on how much gold be an ounce and how much silver should be an ounce but that is my opinion my opinion is i think that i don't think it was stupid for you to invest in silver i think i think that there are still going to be sharks out there trying to get your silver for nothing and they're out of their fucking minds because the mines have shut down do you know what the mines are the mines are the companies that produce the metals that send them in with the big heavy equipment down into the mountains or wherever they're going into those dangerous environments and coming up with a smaller and smaller and smaller supply of findings. So first of all, the supply was already shrinking. That's why they fucking shut down. They're like, how dare you insult me with these little ass prices no, hell no. <laughs> they shut down. The mints shut down. Canadian mint has shut down. The U.S. mint has shut down. Now, I think they shut down not because they're running out, simply. Maybe they are running out of some supplies, but I think they're also shutting down uh, for other political reasons. And, um, yeah, I think for other political reasons. And so because of that, dealers have run the fuck out because on one end the supply is uh has been um squeezed and on the other end the demand just shot up through the roof within a week i i witnessed it but then on top of all of that on top of all that drama happening there is an investor that i i always listen to um yeah always i, I listen to him a lot peter schiff um, he had made and he's been keeping me ahead of the game for a minute. I've been listening to him for quite a bit of time. I've been studying the information that he produces for a while. He's just one of the people though. I got about probably about 10 people in my, my, my pocket plus others that occasionally I come across through those 10 people. But in any case, um, he said something and things are happening so fast Generally, usually it takes it usually takes a few months for these damn predictions to to come to fruition. But he said something. This shit happened within a few days. He said, "What's really going to be crazy, and what's really..."
going to, he said, but this is what he said though. He said, what's going to make the prices go up is he said, if you have one person within that paper market that asks for delivery of gold or silver, and that's going to cause the system to collapse. And then that, that's going to put pressure on the prices of gold and silver. They're going to have to increase. Well, guess what? A few days later, I don't know how many. Could have been 14. Could have been three. I can't. I don't know. I just know it was quickly after that moment. It happened. And the crazy thing, though, is yes, gold has been rising steadily, yet slowly, in my opinion, and probably in a lot of other people's opinions. Silver has been fucking frozen. It's incredible. And that recall occurred. And really, what happened was, when the person that bought those contracts, on the paper market generally, you can get your delivery one of two ways. You can get it delivered in cash, or you can get it delivered in physical uh, gold or silver, or whatever the asset is. You bought 100, you know, pot belly pigs, you get 100 <laughs> fucking pigs delivered. I should do that. I should go on the market and give you some damn pigs. But in any case, in any case, generally people don't do that. What they do is they get it delivered in cash. Of course, the cash is distributed on the, the market, on whatever platform that you're trading in. And you, you know, you, 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 um, basically your, your contract value, um, how would you say went up? I suppose, yeah. You that you you know that's that's if you won. If you lost, then um, I I don't know because I'm, I'm not really sure exactly how the options aspects works with the commodities and the futures and all that stuff. But it's to that extent, to some degree. I probably like ooh irritate the hell out of people that know about this subject. <laughs> like no, that's not it. But the first part I know is it. So in any case, so. A person decided instead of getting the cash, instead of cashing out on their profits on this contract, they wanted the physical gold. Mind you, at this point, the dealers had already started running out of gold. The mints had already shut down and so did a, a lot of miners. So I guess that's why somebody said, you know what? I'm going to cash on one of my contracts and get my fucking gold. And guess what? They couldn't deliver. And so ever since then, that particular market has been just it's been chaotic it's been chaos now the shit has definitely hit the fan but now we're waiting for that shit to fall to the ground and to see where it falls because none of this stuff is making any sense that's why i'm saying if this crisis happens the dollar is worthless do not unless it's an absolute emergency if you have to trade a, a, a few grams or maybe an ounce or two do not transact with your metals don't do it just sit on it i don't give a damn if you sit on that shit for 50 years and pass it to your children do not give away god's money period because that is that is theft 16 dollars an ounce is theft remember and okay and those are my calculations and i'm no expert here i'm just a damn student okay however my figure, well, part of my figure was supported by, I would say an expert compared to me, a, a silver bullion dealer who's 
been in the business for quite a long time with a very sound, um, solid uh, company. And said that really, if you do the inflated adjusted price uh, compared to what it was in the 80s, I think he was saying, this is silver bullion, then the price should be around $250 an ounce. So that means that whoever is selling this, their silver in Venezuela, or today, now, for $16, and I guess they're trying to say $16 buys a roll of toilet tissue, which still doesn't make, none of this shit makes sense, right? <laughs> but in any case, for $16, um, they, they should have been getting 20 times more what they got, they received, because they should have been getting closer to $250 or more, which means they should have been able to buy, uh, I guess not to, like 15, uh, 15 times more, but they should have been able to buy 10 to 15 rolls of toilet paper with that one ounce of silver, okay? Um, and really, you know, how much does a roll of toilet paper cost with the way the current value of the US dollar is here in this country? It's like a few pennies. Like, it might be, it's kind of expensive at 50 cents a roll, you know what I mean? So, really, they should be, they should be stocked up, like the corona, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is incredible. You people need to know what money is. And when I say you people, I mean the layman, the lame man, the general population, the public. Because the, the, the fact that people don't understand money is the reason why, one of the reasons why we're being ripped off. And if you're being ripped off, I'm being ripped off or I have to fight not being ripped off because it's accepted that we don't even know what money is. So when I trade something that should be worth $250 for $60, I mean, come on, don't do it. If you invested in these in these types of um, assets, don't get rid of it. Don't get rid of it. Only use it in an emergency situation to get yourself settled or through a particular event. But from there, listen, rely on your two hands, what you can produce, what you can barter with, what you, yeah, rely on that. Because I'd be damned if somebody's going to take, if I had 10 ounces, what is that? Based on what this dealer said, that's $2,500. Based on what they're selling it for in Venezuela, that's $160. That's a big damn difference. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'll make the toilet paper for less than $16. Okay? No. So that was it. That that just kind of got me fired up because I saw when I looked at it, when I glanced at these these numbers and these figures, that these people are being ripped off and they're in a vulnerable situation. But let me tell you something: people don't care about that. They will take advantage of you, and you're at your lowest point. I've learned that personally. They will kick you when you're down. They will spit on you when you're on your belly. Okay, 